The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the new wave of change that is emerging in our world today? What does it look like? How will it reshape our collective future? We see more and more women are making a rapid rise to the top, taking over leadership of their countries, influencing social and political decisions on a global scale. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine with host Gina Lazenby. This is a movement that is putting the feminine values of compassion and collaboration back into the economy and our world. Everyone and everything is being affected. Our conversation starts now. Here is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. I'm your host, Gina Lazenby, and I'm delighted and honored to be a champion for this fascinating conversation about how not only are women rising in the world today, but how feminine values are also being increasingly expressed more openly in men and women in business, politics, and society. Thank you again for the feedback on the shows and for suggesting guests and ideas. That's much appreciated. Keep them coming in. Again, as well as your emails, please do share on the show's Facebook page, The Rise of the Feminine Radio, so that we can begin to create a community there and take further some of the conversations that are started here. Last week, we looked at how the world needs a new paradigm and the role that women and feminine values will play in bringing that shift into being. If you missed the show and want to catch it, check either the Voice America radio show page or the Facebook page for a link to the show recording, or you can hit the podcast button on your smartphone and search for Gina Lazenby, and there you can download it. I think it's pretty cool. I just discovered that myself a couple of days ago. Now, this week, I'm moving the conversation over to Germany, and we're going to make a visit to the FAMQ Summit on Feminine Intelligence, which I visited in June this year. I think we've realized that a high IQ does not necessarily make you the best person for a role in business or politics. An IQ measurement of intellectual ability is only one dimension, just one ingredient that might contribute to success. There are many more different intelligences we've discovered about EQ, emotional intelligence, and SQ, spiritual intelligence. So we all have these human capacities to different degrees, That's why we've recognized that taking an IQ test hardly reveals people's full potential. And in a world that increasingly values relationships, communicating, emotional expression, connection, and community building, then there are other intelligences and capacities that we need to identify and cultivate. That's why I was so interested to go to Berlin, Germany, to attend this international summit on feminine intelligence. It was largely a woman's event. Each um, with with women delegates from all over the world, and of course the event was open to men. And it's always so wonderful when men do attend and participate in these feminine centric conversations. But the conversation about feminine intelligence is a human one. Men are not excluded. It's just that women are generally more present to the qualities talked about as making up feminine intelligence and I think women are taking leadership and the initiative in exploring them further 
um, bringing them out into open arenas for more general debate. So when I saw a handful of men, I asked for a chat with Bernard Plescher. Uh, in essence, I asked him, why are you here? So my interview with Bernard fits into my regular feature of one woman. Only this week, of course, it's going to be one man. And you will love what he says about the shift in his style of management, something that both men and women can learn from. Uh, my intention each week is also to present a country report where we focus on an aspect of women's status or the rise of women or feminine values in a particular geography. As the event we're looking at this week was in Berlin, I thought it would be a good idea to look at Germany and uh, quite a few conversations on previous shows have referenced Angela Merkel. So I thought it'd be interesting to hear more about her and get insights into her beyond what the press report and discuss her different approach and we'll hear about that when I talk to Dr. Armgard von Rieten. Going back to the summit, I think one of the benefits was meeting so many women from around the world and discuss and discovering how we are how we have the same goals and are all aligned in our desires to really make a difference in the world. This was something that one of the delegates I spoke to also felt, Berger Neckerman attended because her own mission and business is about what she calls the male and female empowerment in leadership. She too found the community very supportive. Interestingly, in her work with executive teams in both medium-sized and large companies, she said, I realized how many women already see that the world needs to go in another direction, but at the same time, seeing how difficult it is to go this route. She described women inside these organizations that she works with as being injured and they need support. And in seeing that, she says that men too, especially young men, also need guidance for this new journey. Feminine intelligence was always there, she said, but women have not opened their mouths about it. They were silent. And this will change in the future in an incredible way. The world needs to change and is ready for it. Now, that reflection from Berger on the summit echoed the feelings of many other women, too, that things are changing. And with an event like this, we have a forum to articulate and put new language around the skills that will help us all navigate a changing world. Let's now hear more about FAMQ. So I will introduce you to our first guest. Scylla Elworthy is a three-time Nobel Peace Prize nominee, the founder of the Oxford Research Group and Peace Direct. Her work also includes producing the first report on female genital mutilation and UNESCO's submission to the United Nations Mid-Decade Conference on Women. She's worked as advisor to Peter Gabriel, Archbishop Desmond Tutu and Sir Richard Branson in setting up the Elders. She's an advisor to Masterpiece, a counsellor of the World Future Council, and a co-founder, founder of Rising Women, Rising World, and the co-sponsors of the event. Hello, Scylla. Welcome to the Rise of the Feminine. Good morning. Good afternoon. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Whatever time of day it is for our listeners out there. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I've just described you as a peace builder. And really, your lifetime of work for the last four or five decades has been in peace building. And you were nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize three times. Um, can you explain what the word building means in the context of peace? Because I think maybe we can fall into the idea of thinking that if there's no war, then we have peace. So what is it we have to do to build a peace? Well, currently, for every 
$1,885 we spend on fighting war and picking up the pieces after war, we spend only $1 on preventing war. So to me, building peace is preventing war. And this means a great deal of it is done from the grassroots up. And that's why I started the organization Peace Direct, which gets behind local people because local people always know best how to resolve, how to prevent people killing each other in their areas. Yeah. And these, these are the ones to back. And it's enormously cost effective to build peace from the bottom up in this way. Mm. Oh, absolutely, yes. This is a thing that society really does have to learn in, in terms of health as well, rather than going for all the creativity going into fixing the uh, problems is really looking at what can we do to stop it in the first place. So absolutely, that's, that's brilliant. Um, Scylla, we, we met in the summer, uh, the fantastic event that uh, you were a co-organiser and co-host of, and that was the FAMQ uh, Summit, a two-day event in Berlin, Germany. Um, and you had, what, about 120 women there from 18 countries? Wasn't it a fantastic international turnout? Yes, it was more like 150, but the key thing was the quality oh. of the women there. And if you look at the photographs afterwards, it's extraordinary how lit up those faces are. The incredible light in the faces of uh, all those women, many of whom were in the sort of 25 to 40 age bracket. And that's exactly the people we want to reach because they've got the the energy, the connectivity, and the knowledge now of how to build a completely different uh, society, even a different world order. Mm. Yes, now you mention it, there were, there were quite a few of us elders there, but there was a younger um, group of, uh, of women, and I was so impressed that they, every continent, um, 18 different countries, it was an incredible showing of, of women who are interested in this conversation of feminine intelligence, which is what FAMQ was about, and making a difference. Whatever they were doing in the world, it was making a difference through their business, through NGOs, whatever activity. That was the string, wasn't it, that, that connected us all together? Yes. Rising Women, Rising World is the organization that was profiled at that summit. And we founded it three years ago, specifically to recognize the wisdom and achievements of 12 women in different continents who each are a specialist in one particular area, one field, for example, agriculture or education or health or peace and security or economics. And each of those women has thought really hard and managed to start the, the, the resolution of the problems in her field and she is gathering round her 12 young men or women to mentor uh, and develop their own projects and then they will likewise do the same. So the intention is that it will grow exponentially. Mm. Yes, the, the, the stories we heard were extremely inspiring. Um, when you started your presentation, couple of well several things struck me actually <laughs> there's lots of things in there but one of the things I really was present to was this 
you're talking about the wave of change. It's, mm. you know, I, I love this word, this phrase. It's what I live with. But I think it would be interesting uh, for you to articulate what you see because you work internationally. Um, and you also said that you've never seen anything like it in all these years that you've been working in this field. Yes. This, this, something's happening. So give us a time scale. Do you mean that two or three years, five, ten years, a time scale on what you see? So give us a sense of this wave in the world. Well, it's particularly over the last two years, I would say. But when I look at the kind of list I've compiled of new initiatives emerging using feminine intelligence, that is conscious change agents emerging on every continent, it makes astonishing reading. Uh, these are women with an ear to the ground, and our inboxes are daily bringing in more news of what women and men are not only imagining, but actually inventing, transforming, shifting. And this is everything from uh, women's movements in places like northwest Pakistan, where it's the most difficult place in the world to be a woman, right through to massive global events like One Billion Rising. So it's, it's, um, it's a phenomenon now. I can feel a sense of excitement. It was definitely present in in the room, um, and then this and this wave of change very much involves women. I mean, obviously, men are involved too. But there's, there there are women who are, um, as you say, creating these initiatives. And you also talked about, which is the subject of the conference, feminine intelligence. Very neatly named FAM Q F E M M E Q, as opposed to I Q E Q. I think that's a really great name. So. Can you share what you see as this feminine intelligence that, uh, that that everybody has access to and perhaps is having increasing access to or use of? Yes. Well, I think it's an upgrade on our consciousness worldwide. Um, and I also see it as a self-organizing power and one that the media doesn't yet get, but that you can observe it in the actions of women and men together in all cultures and all walks of life. So let's investigate what it consists of. Uh, the first quality, quality that it um, maximizes and prioritizes is compassion or empathy. And that means having the strength to step into the shoes of another, even those we dislike, and understand how they feel and how they're motivated. And this is not simply a quality for the meek and gentle. Mm. It actually prevents suicide bombing. I'll give you a quick example. Mm. That's Gululai Ismail in northwest Pakistan, who um, since she was 15, she's been working on getting young women into school, but she didn't stop there. She now organizes and trains teams of young people to go into the madrasas and talk to the young men being trained as jihadis, go back with them to their families and talk with their families about how, how the Quran would not approve of suicide bombing. And so far she's dissuaded 250 young suicide bombers. Wow, 250, that's amazing. So this is practical. Yeah, very practical indeed. Right, so that's that's compassion. Mm. So that's compassion mm. for you. Um, the second quality that I'm very um, struck by is the quality of inclusivity. 
This means ensuring that the marginalized, that is, the majority world of those who don't have a voice, that the marginalized are brought into decision making. And this quality is rooted in the insistence that we are connected, namely that the other must be included. And this can mean, as in the case of Germany's welcome of large numbers of refugees, that you have to confront the anger of those who are afraid of diversity and would prefer to close borders and exclude those fleeing from violence or persecution. Mm. So it requires courage, and that's what Angela Merkel has shown. Yes, interesting you say that, because in one of my uh, earlier shows, Dr. David Paul, an expert in feminine leadership in Sydney, is speaking exactly to that when we were talking about the new kind of political leader who's bringing feminine leadership into politics. Angela Merkel stands out as an example of someone who's being bold and courageous in, 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 in being compassionate in the way that she is. And as you say, being able to handle the fear of those who are so concerned about the, you know, what will happen. But it is providing leadership for other leaders, isn't it? Indeed. And, and, indeed. and the, the third great quality is the quality of listening. And that may sound easy. In fact, most people think they're good listeners, but in fact, most people are not. So um, I, I, I teach this to senior executives of large global luxury corporations. And when I gave them their first um, full listening uh, exercise and they practiced it over a couple of weeks back at work they reported as follows what you taught us enables us now to resolve in 15 minutes what would previously have taken four hours of argument and still not been agreed (laughs) wow (laughs) so we can all learn to listen whether we're in corporations where it's very important for bringing for women particularly women executives to bring these qualities into the boardroom So the next quality I would go on to is intuition. Um, And that's a quality that demonstrates profound courage. Um, And here I think of great leaders who have dared to even face um, barricades and to face phalanxes of machine guns and use their presence and their presence of mind to stop people getting killed. Mm. Um, I'm also conscious of the um, the, cor- the courage of the f- uh, foreign minister of Sweden, um, that's Margot Wallström, who had the courage to ask uh, Swedish arms export companies not to export to Saudi Arabia and in further inflame the conflict in the Middle East. And she had to take a lot of flack for that. Um, But she stuck to it. And her courage was really remarkable. Wow, that that is a courageous decision, isn't it? And going on to to the one that really underlines all of them, and that's the question of interconnectedness. The longing to nurture and protect our planet and her resources. So here we, we have to reverse the arrogant idea of man's conquest of nature and replace it with the realization that we need to respect, to safeguard and actually help regenerate the planetary life of which we're a part. 
And this is evident in the priorities of millennials. That's those who were born between 1980 and 2000. And by 2020, they form 50% of the global workforce. And they'll be the largest consumer class. Now, surveys show that an overwhelming 75% of them have four major priorities, namely planet, people, and purpose all come before profit. Wow. So can you believe it that they're considering things like environmental protection, climate change, and resource scarcity to be more important than what they earn? Mm -hmm. So they'll be asking, companies that they join what their values are mm. it's interesting um thinking back to the 90s when we were talking about companies should look at this to now be in the year we're in 2016 to think that there's actually a survey of data of people who believe this <laughs> so yeah. yeah that is um Yes, it's uh, it's actually holding ground. Still, I have to say that your um, feminine intelligence, a little formula here, it spells your name. I know your name begins <laughs> with S, but we've got C, uh, compassion, I, inclusivity, I, intuition, L, listening, and A, although you've got interconnect interconnectivity, I think all connected would also describe that. <laughs> Your name, Scylla. <laughs> Thank you. It's all about that feminine intelligence. Um, you use the words upgrade. Um, mm -hmm. Let's just for a moment look at the conversation that we have around politics at the moment. We've just been through a massive um, shift, massive blip in, in the UK with the referendum and the vote to leave Europe. And part of the, the, the conversation there was about making Britain great again. And we can hear it uh, in America too, making America great again. This looking back to how the countries were before and kind of reclaiming that. Well, we can see that we need to improve things. So what do you think an upgrade in the languages that we need to bring to politics that helps us move away from that going back to being great? Because of course we want to be great. And some would say we still are. But what about this language in politics? Well, I believe that we need not just a change in the language, but actually a leap in the level of our consciousness. Because the problems that we now face are so large that they can't be dealt with by the methods we've been using. They simply don't work. And as Einstein said, you can't solve a problem from the consciousness that created it. So we have to shift our consciousness. And that's why um, feminine intelligence is becoming absolutely crucial. We need to move to a an era in which we all do the inner work that is so vital to our being able to do effective work in the world but also to our awareness of what others in the world need, because otherwise we're simply going to be faced by revolution and um, conflict and, and armed violence uh, at every turn. So we've got to make uh, a shift in our own awareness, and that means moving from me, everything I need, I want, I must have, to we and what the community needs and this means we can start right here at home by getting involved in local initiatives by volunteering i believe that 
everybody who has a job, even a part-time job, needs to be offering to volunteer because that experience is so mind-broadening to actually see what other people's situation is and what they need. Mm. So I see us needing to move swiftly to a much elevated awareness that is showing itself now in so many organizations all over the world springing up that have as their mantra, not what can I get, but what can I give? Mm. That's the secret for the future. Mm, that's, that's, that's beautiful not what can I get what can I give it's interesting you say about volunteering because it's it's um, you know we've talked about this big picture thinking about the world and the wave of change but you know it's good to come away with something that you can do immediately and as you just said right now right at home we can volunteer and you know there are times in my life when I've been too busy to volunteer or I've seen that it's the job of other people <laughs> Um, or that's the kind of person who volunteers. But I think, as you rightly say, that it is enriching to life, isn't it? We always get something out of giving to others that we thank them almost. I've seen so many examples of this. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to give to you because it enriches. And that's a great takeaway, people, too. If they're not already volunteering, think what they can do in their community. Mm, I totally agree with you. Beautiful. Is there any un- so, is there any question that I have left unasked that you might want to say? <laughs> uh, Gina, I'm sure there are lots for a future time, but you've 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 primed me beautifully, and thank you for this opportunity. And I wish you the very best with the program. Well, thank you very much indeed. I'm going to, we'll we'll do a transcript of what you said. I've, everything can be heard. There's a couple of wobbles, but um, very rich information you've given us. And I'll put it on the Rise of the, Rise of the Feminine uh, Facebook page for people to, to read what you've said, because it is so fascinating. I'm very much grateful. I'd love to talk to you again, because I've got your book here, Pioneering the Possible, Awakened Leadership Good. for a World that Works. It's a great read. And I'm going to come back to you another time. We'll have some more time together talking about your book. So for today, Scylla, thank you for joining me on the Rise of the Feminine. Thanks, Gina, and I look forward to talking to you again. Bye-bye. And now we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then I'm back introducing my next guest, Bernard Pleasure. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you the internet's number one talk station number one talk station voiceamerica.com you are tuned in to the rise of the feminine if you have a question or comment about this program please send an email to gina at gina that's gina at gina here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. 
I love what Scylla said about the real progress coming when we do the inner work and shift our own awareness. That has been the case for me. Just reflecting on my own journey, there was a time years ago when I had no real consciousness of being a woman or thinking of things being feminine, masculine. I certainly did not understand about intuition. And yet years later, when I, as I describe it, woke up, then I reflected back on my business in the 1980s and I could see that I was using something that was obviously my intuition, but I did not have any language for it. And it really would have been helpful to understand how I process things and how I seem to know things but I did not always listen to my inner voice, or I did, but found it hard to defend myself if I was challenged. It was difficult to say. I just knew that that was the right action to take. Once I started to learn about and grow my inner awareness, then that was a massive reduction in stress for me. Now, let's move on to our next guest, whose own inner journey has been helpful to his business. This is Bernard Plesher. As I said earlier, Bernard caught my attention as his male presence towered above a sea of women. He's very tall. This is at the event in Berlin. The sound of this interview is okay, um, but there is a little bit of background noise because I'm at the conference speaking to him. He's also German. He speaks excellent English. Even so, you just might find you're adjusting your listening to, you know, get used to his accent. I'll have a transcript of the conversation go up on the Facebook page if you find that helpful. Let me introduce Bernard. Um, Bernard Plescher is the co-founder and managing director of the Westhouse Group in Germany with branches in Switzerland, Italy and Hong Kong. Before the foundation of Westhouse in 2002, Bernard worked as a business consultant for global companies such as Philips, Siemens and Accenture in cities around the globe like Buenos Aires, Paris, London, Sydney and Mexico. During that time, he decided with his best friend and business partner, Marcus Steinbeiser, to start a company using best practices in management, which he gathered during his work experience and consulting. Today, he focuses on leading Westhouse with a balanced work environment and as a values-based business. So I'm talking to Bernard Plescher. I'm here in Berlin. I'm here at FemQ, which is a conference, not just for women. There's a lot of women here, but we're looking at feminine intelligence. And I'm very interested in why you got on a plane from Munich to Berlin to be part of this conversation. Yeah. Um, basically, I came here by invitation, and uh, what drove me was curiosity, uh, basically. Yeah. Understanding more what is behind the female energy that everybody's talking about during that summit, and it's quite clear that there's, there are qualities behind that which which are energy, universal energies, not that you can that maybe maybe relate them to to feminine, but they're mainly when we look beyond that that they are universal, like the ability to listen, to uh, support, to and um, yeah, there are various other qualities, and all these qualities is what what we have. Um, uh, what, what men have had as well, but it's like maybe over the course of time and, and uh, evolution and social, socialization, um, men do not allow themselves to, to live these qualities because they consider them as, as, as weakness, whereas in reality it's a, it's a strength and uh, I think it's all about to integrate like all energies um, all positive energies, uh, and first of all, in order to to um, um, to live them, you have to acknowledge them, uh, to to identify them, 
and yeah. Oh, was just saying in your own business. Yeah, in my own you've business. You've got about a hundred people. Yeah. There's a recruitment, and yeah. you said that about after a year of, of running your own business and yeah. feeling perhaps the, the yeah. stress of the, the shouldering yeah. that responsibility, yeah, that's right. you made a decision to just change the way you did things. Yeah, you know, yeah. to make it easy for yourself and brought some new thinking in. So, what were the things that you did to make it? Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, when I started my company, I was like very nervous and uh, uh, the fear of failure. And uh, basically, the fear uh, made me be more very strict, very demanding, um, and put a lot of pressure on, on, the, on the first employees that I employed and uh, control them. And I realized that after some, yeah, so it took me maybe two years, two to three years to realize that. that uh, not only that I was unhappy um, and uh, I couldn't sleep at night because of my nervousness, but also the people didn't, I, did, I think they didn't really enjoy working for, for us. And, uh, and then I, I slightly um, changed my attitude like, um, and started to give the people more room, more space. Um, uh, I did that by, by, yeah, by defining goals, that they targets that they should reach, but then leave it more or less to them. And to give them the space and the freedom to to go for them because uh, like freedom freedom is uh, yeah the sister freedom is, is responsibility they both go always together and once you're yeah when you want to be free you you have to take also the responsibility and people buy that uh, immediately it's because it's a universal law and, and everybody understands it instantly and um, that changed the whole. It changed the whole uh, uh, atmosphere, basically, um, in the company. I would say. Yeah. And and so has that contributed to your success? Is it is less totally. stressful? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. We are number yeah. six in, in Germany. Yeah. According to a rating, we have more than one hundred million euros turnover, uh, one hundred fifty employees. We built out this uh, from, from nothing, from scratch. No, no financing from banks or, or financial uh, institutions. Uh, it just came out from. From, from that power, basically, that yeah, came the value-driven company, and then and you recognizing that by asserting yourself into the business and being hard on people and hard on yourself yeah. was just going to make you ill and you weren't sleeping. So you created exactly. that shift, respecting people, inviting them to move up to the high expectations you had for them, and they stepped in. They stepped exactly, yeah. Because like, I think every person wants to grow, and uh, it's, it's just not that you have to ask them to grow or, or by putting pressure on them, but just like believing in them more yeah. and giving them space, and then, then they feel this also the the, the, the trust, and the yeah. confidence that you give them. Yeah. They they really feel that and want and want to live up to it, yeah. and, and then that raises the whole uh, vibration, let's say, in the company. So, do you have yeah. less stress now? Yeah. Totally, less stress. <laughs> you don't look yeah, stressed. Yeah. I passed all of the, the operating, <laughs> managing director, uh, the operations I passed to managing directors, yeah. and I'm basically out. I'm just strategic advisor. Well that, done. Yeah. 
And that's, that's fantastic. Well, you look relaxed. Here you are among all these women. That's why I was really keen to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the few men, a few men here, and it is beautiful for us to have this yeah. conversation about deconstructing what is feminine intelligence, what yeah. is that feminine wisdom, and to and to invite men into that space because it does involve humans. It's all of us, isn't it? Tapping into what you've described in your business as that other qualities that you weren't drawing on that's helped you fuel the business to the success it is. Exactly. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. But it's also more than that because like for me it's also interesting to someone to, to understand also the because I, I still I mean I still don't understand women <laughs> but who understands them but uh, <laughs> but it's interesting to see their their I don't know their I think I think women have more access to their heart, to their heart energy than men do. We can learn from that. And it's really uh, seeing that they're, they're, they're struggling, there's, um, that, that's really touching, I think. Mm -hmm. And we all, also men, we, we all had our mothers, and our, I mean, and we, we were guided by women at one point in time. But sometimes maybe it's good in, when you're in your adult life that you just remember that, the, the relationship that you had to your mother. Uh, and how she supported you, although you were maybe nasty or whatever you did in the child, but she was always like there, this caring quality that mothers have. And, uh, always there. And, and, yeah, and what applies to family structures, it applies to society. Women are more less, I mean, yeah, all have, we all have our egos, but I would, I would think that women by nature, uh, unless they are socialized differently, but by nature they have less ego, they are less ego-driven um, than men. They are more, compassion comes first, and they, they are willing to step their, to step back ego-wise for, for a bigger harmony, let's say, in, in society. Uh, they are more willing to do that, to do so than men. Men are more power-driven, it's a male energy. Creativity, power, analyzing the male attributes that which are also uh, useful, useful. But if you only run your business, if you yeah. only run your organization on that those few dynamics, yeah. you're losing out on all the things we've talked about—the harmony and the caring and the compassion yeah. you brought into your business that has made it the success it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a harmonization of, of qualities, basically energies. Uh, Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. And now we're going to take a quick commercial break. Then I am back and introducing my last guest, Dr. Armgard von Richten. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to the rise of the feminine. 
If you have a question or comment about this program, please send an email to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. That's Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Here again is your host, Gina Lazenby. Welcome back. I think Bernard expressed very beautifully that the pressures of stress, fear of failure, and a strong desire to succeed can bring out or accentuate some qualities that do not empower us or our staff and certainly can make people unhappy. And that's not a male thing. I resonate with that too. I've been through periods of time where I shouldered huge responsibility, perhaps too much, and it's not always made me the most loving of bosses, I'm sure. That was a long time ago before I acquired the skills and awareness that I that I have now, but not far into his business journey, Bernard changed his attitude and looked for another way. I love the fact that he was curious to come and find out more about how women operate and came to this feminine summit. And that's what it takes, curiosity. That makes all the difference, being open to something different. I wish I had had that insight years ago in my business. It took me a few more stressful years before I made a change, but I did. I made a change. Bernard also talked about his company being a values-driven company. And again, that's a subject that we will look at in the future on this show. There are many companies who have started to articulate the values on which their operation is based. And for for many in the early years, these are just words and marketing slogans, but Increasingly, these publicly aired value statements are really supporting organizations that are shifting their culture. And many of the new values being embraced are much more aligned with feminine energy as businesses businesses look to relate differently to their staff and foster collaborative environments where there is less emphasis on competition, particularly inside the organization. So now for our country report, and as I mentioned earlier that we're looking at Germany, where there's an example of feminine intelligence in political leadership. My next guest is Dr. Armgard von Rieten. She is a strategy consultant based in Berlin. She has had a long career at IBM in Germany and Europe with many senior positions, director of government programs, for Germany, Russia and CIS countries, chief privacy officer, Deputy Head in the IBM Government Programs Office in Brussels. She's also chaired the IBM German Women's Leadership Council. Armgard has also served as Head of the Communication Department in the German Parliament, worked in the US Congress and has taught at universities in the US and Germany on the subjects of German and international politics, the digital economy and cross-cultural and diversity management. Armgard, welcome to The Rise of the Feminine. Welcome. Thank you for speaking with me today. I wanted to talk to you because I understand that you've had um, a long career in business and also liaising with government, uh, in lobbying government. And I uh, wanted to continue the conversation we've been having about feminine intelligence because Germany has the, really, the most powerful woman leader on the planet. You've had her for 11 years running uh, the country. I say running the country, leader of Germany. Um, And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about how she might be doing things differently as a woman. Not that she consciously does, because I think if you're a leader, you don't say, oh, I'm a man, I'm going to do it this way. If I'm a woman, I'm going to do it this way. But there may be a different style, because I I know that you've met her. So is that true? Do you think, can you see that she might be bringing something different to the way she's leading the country? Yeah, I think the important thing to understand about Angela Merkel is she doesn't jump to conclusion and she doesn't jump to action. 
It is not her goal to be seen in the press every day or on TV. It is her goal to move political goals and to ensure that the political actions are taken rather than TV actions. Okay, so she kind of gets down to business and she doesn't care so much then about how people see her. She just kind of wants to get on with the job in hand. Absolutely. And she does. She has her very own political style. She doesn't attack people personally. She always tries to, so to speak, look at the political opponent as somebody she might need to work with in the future. And so, therefore, she is always very focused on trying to drive the political issues and bring people together and ensure that the common goal is, so to speak, focused on. Interesting, because what she seemingly then is she's valuing the relationship, doesn't want to lose the relationship over the issue. And I think we had an insight into that. That was the morning after Britain woke up and found out that we'd voted to leave the European Union. And and the newspapers, obviously, we're looking at the newspaper headlines across Europe to see what the reaction was. And there was shock everywhere and largely the comments coming back from the male leaders were well don't expect this to be a smooth ride there was a lot of hurt being expressed and Angela stood out as someone who said let's keep it friendly let's keep it friendly and she was the first person that our female Prime Minister Theresa May went to see and uh, you know their kind of connection looked good and I think that's an expression isn't it value the relationship over point scoring or anything else. Yes, and you also saw in her first meeting with um, Mrs. May that she was very focused on, so to speak, making sure that the door for Britain to discuss the issue again and again was wide open, right? So she might have been a little bit reluctant before, but when she had talked to Ms. May, she was very clear on, you know, let's try to sort this out. Yes, practical. Yes. Absolutely practical, yes. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, I'm going to ask you, do you think there's a pattern forming where we've got, really have got a mess. <laughs> it's getting worse everywhere. This, this mess and increasingly there are women coming in to clear it up. I mean, I've heard somebody have this phrase, and you're going to pronounce this better than me, the name for the, the women after World War II, when they came in literally rebuilding Germany, literally picking up the, 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 the fallen bricks of the houses, Trümmerfrauer, was it, or something like that? Yes, the Trümmerfrauen, that's right. <laughs> they were most famous for re- to helping to rebuild Germany, absolutely. Um, but what I also learned when I worked in the United States Congress was a beautiful phrase over there and that was if you want a clean house elect women to Congress and I thought that was a very good slogan and we see this quite often that if men make a mess then women are called in like in Britain right now um, if I may say so um, that the women are called in to try to put the pieces together and that seems to be a female quality that we're able to so to speak breach over different fractions, party coalitions, etc. Interesting, isn't it? We were talking about this the other week about Iceland and the chaos there when the country went bankrupt 2008 and female prime minister. And there's no doubt that after Brexit that was 
that vote to leave, uh, the men disappeared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Prime Minister resigned. So there is something about, um, you know, our ability to go in and focus and uh, start the reparation work and, um, you know, make things better. There's um, another difference that I think we can also see in female leaders, and that is looking now at Hillary Clinton, the criticism that she attracts and her uh, criticise for for the, her performance and her, her inability to have this big stage charisma that some of the, you know, that the male politicians have. But a lot of people say that when you get in a room with Hillary, she very charismatic, she listens, um, she connects very well, and her beautiful presence in a room. And I've heard the same, you've met Angela Merkel too, that she has the same quality of listening, which doesn't necessarily translate to the stage, or the media doesn't understand the difference. Is that right? You've met her, haven't you? Yes, I have met her several times, um, even when she was still opposition leader, for example. And already at that time, I was quite um, impressed by her ability not only to listen, but also she was very well prepared each time you met with her. So the briefings that the two sides prepared were really, she read them, right? Normally you have people who then you notice that they haven't paid any attention to the briefing material. She not only had read the material, but she also asked very precise questions. And there's another quality that she has, and that is something which is supposedly very un-German. She has a very good sense of humor. <laughs> and so uh, it is, it's a, it's a, I, I mean, it's a beautiful prejudice that Germans don't have a sense of humor, um, but she can really laugh about many things, including herself, which is absolutely the definition of humor that you're able to love about yourself. So, yes. and she has another quality, and that is when she talks, she really brings it down to the important points, right? It's not that you have the feeling that she gives you all kinds of fuzzy speaking, which in the end you have no idea what she said, but she narrows it down to the important things. All right, she's absolutely clear. I think, let, let's just say Germans have a different sense of humor, shall we? <laughs> Rather than no sense of humor. But it's interesting, you look at her face in so many photographs that are put in the media, very unsmiling. So she looks like she is very, what we say the word, very dour, and hasn't got a sense of humor. So it's interesting. And I think also, uh, it's interesting that I think women do have a more of a self-deprecating sense of humor. Women tend to make fun of themselves or laugh at themselves, where men tend to make fun of each other, don't they, and poke <laughs> fun at each other, but women have a different sense of humor. Yes, we, we agree that, first of all, women and men have a different sense of humor, and then probably Germans have a different sense of humor than British. Yes. Uh, we leave this to the beautiful differences in Europe, which we so much adore, admire, and appreciate. Exactly, that's what diversity is all about. Yes. So, um, just before we end, let, let's just have a look. She's been there 11 years. What do you think Angela Merkel has done that might have been supportive of the rise of women 
uh, outside government or inside government uh, in, in any initiatives or legislation that has led uh, to women moving forward and upward into higher positions. I seem to have read somewhere in an Australian paper when I was travelling once that she was remonstrating and scolding corporations for not having enough women on board. So there was no legislation in place, but she was telling them to do that. And so that was a, a few years ago now. So what's the position with uh, women in seniority? Yeah, let me say three things about this. First of all, she made a very big difference inside the administration. Before, with all the male chancellors, if a woman got pregnant in the chancellery, she had to leave and go back to the department she came from. Angela Merkel changed that. Right? So she deliberately supports and supports very strongly women who have children. And she also, so that's the one thing, um, she hires a lot of women and she attracts a lot of good women. Right? Mm. So because of her qualities as somebody who is so focused on bringing political goals forward, that also means that women who now think they have a chance really to progress in the political world as well as in the administration. So she's really been, so to speak, a role model in that respect. Um, and then on top of it, she has pushed through uh, with the help of other women, needless to say, that's not only her because you need a coalition in this one, a women quota for the supervisory board of large German companies against all the old men that sit on these supervisory boards, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a first step, so to speak, in this direction. Um, and the third thing is, I mean, she has been the Chancellor for 11 years. That is quite an accomplishment, it is right? Indeed, yeah. Not many people got re-elected so many times. And as a little boy said the other day, tell me, mommy, can men become Chancellor as well? <laughs> so, you know, for a whole generation of young Germans, she is the symbol of a Chancellor. Hmm? Yeah. And so now you have in the various German states, for the first time, several female prime ministers of the German lender, so to speak. Yeah? So she, in her own party, she really promotes intelligent, down-to-earth women for higher political positions. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's see if she's re-elected again. Thank you so much for that. You're most welcome. Bye-bye. That was interesting to hear Armgard make the references to women clearing up the mess, which we talked about in the first episode, looking at feminine leadership in politics with Dr. David Paul. I don't know whether you remember, but in September 2013, the government in the USA was shut down when the, the senators could not agree a way forward and their disagreements led to a falling out and insults were unhelpfully being hurled across the two sides. And this is where the women stepped in to restart the conversation and get things moving again, working as a cross-party alliance. Seemingly, the story went that these women senators regularly met socially and had formed a community across the party divide because they were so few in number, and they leveraged those relationships to open up new negotiations. I wrote a story about this on October 17, 2003, and just quoting from that, Senator Pryor spoke of his admiration for his women colleagues after watching them negotiate. The truth is, women in the Senate is a good thing, he said. We're all just glad they allowed us to tag along and we could see how it's done. 
Out of 14 senators in the cross-party group, six were women. The group was started by Senator Susan Collins, who told the New York Times, I don't think it's a coincidence that women were so heavily involved in trying to end this stalemate. Although we span the ideological spectrum, we are used to working together in a collaborative way. So again, what's being highlighted here by Armgard and this story is women's capacity to work together, find common ground and preserve relationships. And of course, much has been made of women's capacity for listening and how important this is. In a future episode, we will delve further into this, asking why this is, looking at whether this difference in the capacity to listen is somehow physical or biological. It's so often the provider of jokes between the sexes in as much as women do listen. Men supposedly don't listen. I have a wonderful greetings card with a cartoon on it. There's a woman standing next to a man at a bar. She says, you never listen to me. You only hear what you want to hear. And the man's response is, yes, I will have a beer. On that note, I think it's time to close the show. All my guests have provided a rich dialogue with some great insights into what feminine intelligence is and how powerful and transformative it is. I welcome your thoughts. Next week, my guest will be Indra Adnan from the Soft Power Network, and I'll be talking to entrepreneur Phyllis Santamaria, an American based in London who will share her experience of working as a Peace Corps volunteer in Guatemala in the 1960s, and she'll report on what has happened as a result of the initiatives she started, and that's 50 years on. Finally, you know I love to hear from you. Email your thoughts to Gina at GinaLazenby.com. Tweet me at Gina Lazenby. Or remember, there's the Facebook page called The Rise of the Feminine Radio. Until next week, stay well. And thank you very much for joining me on The Rise of the Feminine. We hope that you've enjoyed the program this week. Be sure to tune in to The Rise of the Feminine with Gina Lazenby every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a wonderful week. 